1986, Michael Gerber published his book, The E-Myth Revisited, that had a universal impact on business owners worldwide. And the central idea in this book is that we all should work on our business and not just in it. And of course, you have heard this many times before, and hearing it again feels like a broken record. But the truth is that even though we've heard it thousands of times and more than we would prefer to, we probably all should do more of it, work on our venture and not just in it. So that's what we will do over the next few episodes. We will get business advisors to get us thinking strategically about our business. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 127 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. If there was one thing most accounting and tax practices should change, what would it be? This is what I ask Mark Holden, a specialist advisor and regular presenter at accounting conferences. I started by asking Mark, what he actually does. We run events, conferences, workshops and that for the accounting industry and have for the last 11 years. We also provide consulting support in practice management, IT and in my case, particularly business advisory implementation for accounting firms around Australia predominantly, but also New Zealand, UK, Canada and the like. How do you get clients in Canada and the like? I went over there to do some consulting work and presentations for CCH Canada or Waller's Kluwer Canada. And I did that for the best part of six years, I suppose. So I ran a series of conferences twice a year for them on the industry. And from that, met a whole host of Canadian accountants and also trained many of them on how to implement a, a particular piece of software that CCH had. Your main audience is accountants, correct? Yeah, accounting firms. That's my only real audience, to be honest. What's the greatest hurdle for accountants? And I assume that when you say accountants, you also include tax agents in that term, correct? Oh, you look at accounting firms and some bookkeeping firms too that are helping in this space. I think one of the significant issues for the accounting industry at the moment is just getting their head around how do I implement a more diversified income stream in their firms. We talk about business advisory services, and it's the buzzword of the century, let's be honest. But many accounting firms make the mistake of going out and buying software and then trying to turn their firm into a replica of that particular software. The one thing I do with firms is I build the systems, the processes, and the people resources to be able to implement more business advisory work in their firm, irrespective of what their software choice may be. I've certainly got recommended software solutions, but they're all designed to fulfill specific requirements in the firm to be able to get that system process and people resources working. I think one of the biggest issues for the firms at the moment is capacity. They're all busy and it's very difficult to be busier or put more services into an already busy environment. The other issue I see is commitment. They've got to be committed to do this. And they've got to literally be prepared to fund, and by fund I mean in system process and also people resources, separate division within their firms, which might not be a full-time division, but certainly it has 
the amount of time and focus allowable to be able to succeed in this space. So is the issue that accounting firms think the hurdle is implementing the software and all the different software solutions, and once they've done that, they're done? The issue is they're too focused on compliance at the moment and have been forever and probably will be for at least a, a short-term period. There's no bit of software in the world that I've seen, and I've been doing this for the best part of 25 years, that will automatically turn you into a business advisor. To become a business advisor, you've got to be out there working with clients and engaging clients. But if your systems and processes aren't right within the firm, then there's too many distractors, Heidi. So we've got to get that right first. In time, and part of that process is building the capacity within the firm and within the people, putting the systems, the processes, the checklists, the structures to be able to offer advisory service, then software is an aid to deliver. I've always believed that. It's not the silver bullet. It's an aid to deliver. If you don't know what you're delivering and how much it's going to cost and how to explain it to a client, or even more importantly, if you're too busy to deliver it, it doesn't make much sense going to market to me. A lot of people kind of scoff on compliance, but doesn't compliance play a very important role in all of this? A, it's usually compliance why clients approach an accountant. Compliance gives you a regular contact point with the clients. And also compliance teaches you about their business. By working on their tax return, you can see where they're heading, where they're coming from, and gives you insight to do business advisory. I'm not a critic of compliance, never have been, never will be. It's the bread and butter of our accounting firms. It's a bit ridiculous. I hear a lot of the stuff that's said out there, and I don't agree with any of it. It's like saying to a builder, don't build houses. It's our core business. The advisory side of things is building on the compliance model. The easiest client to work with in advisory is someone you've already got a relationship with. One of the challenges, however, is, and I've been in this game for 35 years, Heidi, so I've been through the compliance model. One of the challenges with just relying on the compliance data is it doesn't tell you what's important to the client. It just tells you what financially is happening. If you're going to be a business advisor, you have to delve down and find out what's important to the client from a variety of different perspectives, not just finance. Compliance has and will always be a critical part of every accounting firm service offering. So the approach should be structure your business in a way that compliance works well, works fast, doesn't take too much of your time, implement the software you need to achieve all this, but then don't stop there. Use the extra time you gain through the fine-tuned setup you worked on. Use that time to then delve deeper, to talk to the client, to understand where the issues are so that you can add more value. That's exactly the message. Let's not replace it. Let's not not do it. What I'm talking about is adding value to the client relationship, but adding value in a variety of different areas. We hear all this stuff about compliance being impacted through technology and automation and government intervention, and I've got no doubt that will happen in the future here, the way it's currently happening overseas, in particular in the UK at the moment. But at the end of the day, if you build a reliance with your client, and that reliance comes about because your holistic service offering addresses all their needs, not just their taxation needs, then I see that as highly unlikely any of those clients are going to want to go elsewhere or at least go to a more automated digital relationship direct with the government. 
This might be a very simplistic view. I think just meeting with your client face to face immediately puts you into a business advisory role because when you start talking to your client about the latest tax return, any issues, I think 9.9 out of 10, the client will have other questions to ask that hit right into the business advice territory. You're spot on, Heidi, and it's not simplistic. I'm not saying get out there and do anything we haven't done before. I've been in this game for a long while and many of the listeners have as well. I'm talking about getting out there and just providing more diversified services to them as well as not in place of. We are their trusted advisor whether we like it or not. Surveys have shown consistently that 80% or more of clients will come to their accountant first when they have a problem. What I'm talking about here is being offering a more holistic service, diversifying your service offering in the firm and future-proofing it against any potential change to the compliance model in the future. What's the greatest hurdle you see in all this? Because all this is quite easy to grasp, you know, it's not rocket science. What is the greatest hurdle for clients to not do it? I include myself in it, of course. There's two hurdles there. One's the hurdle within the firm, and we spoke about that earlier, and that's the capacity issue and the commitment issue and the desire to want to change. If that isn't addressed, then nothing's going to happen. From a client perspective, you've got to sell this to them. It's not like compliance. It's not like tax. They come to us because they have to. They can't do it themselves. It's a begrudged service offering largely because if they don't come to us and they don't do it, they get penalised. So it's a service that's based on I must do. Advisory is not a I must do. An advisory is I want to do. So the accounting firms need to get out there and believe it or not, tidy, they're going to start selling. And all I hear is I don't like selling, I'm an accountant. But then you don't have to with compliance. The ATO does that for you nicely. Forget the word selling. Let's just get out there and engage more. Let's meet with them, have a cup of coffee. Let's talk about a variety of different things. Let's unlock their needs. Let's find out what's important to them. And let's put a proposal together that addresses those issues. Never ever know if you don't go out there and have a cup of coffee and have a discussion. So the hurdle is basically that technology, etc., has brought the cost on compliance or the fees you can charge on compliance down. And so that now to do business advisory, you basically have to go and charge it again. That's the hurdle, isn't it? That business advisory needs to kind of be charged in addition, and that's difficult to get clients to agree to. It's not difficult. You just never know if you don't go out and try. Yes. You can sit there and worry about will they pay? Well, you don't know if you don't ask them. Will they like it? Well, you don't know if you don't try. And there's too much fear there. I mean, how will you know if a client will pay or not pay if you never put a service in front of them? At some stage, you just got to say, let's go and try. And then if the client objects, then you've got, at least you've got some evidence to support your fear. What do you think of the approach to just increase compliance cost and then just to include advice in that cost? So basically, this is my flat fee for the year. For that fee, you can ask me anything you like. I come and meet you whenever you need me. What do you think of that approach? Oh, look, I've got nothing against it, Heidi. I've seen many firms offering a fixed fee arrangement. I think it needs to be dictated to the client, to be honest. In one part of me says don't sell a begrudged service with a dynamic, innovative, I want service. Like don't sell a you must do with a you need to do, per se. But at the end of the day, if the client responds to a fixed price agreement, that's what they want, 
And that's what the firm wants to do. I've got no problems with it. Yeah, but it's a good thought that with that approach I just suggested, you mix a I have to with a I want to service. Well, it works for some. It doesn't work for all. There's no black and white way of doing this. You've got to get there, meet with your client, unlock their needs and find out their reaction to all this sort of stuff. I've got absolutely nothing against either model as long as it gets you the engagement. Do you see a difference uh, between Australian accounting firms to English or Canadian accounting firms? Are we struggling with other things than accountants in other countries or do we all kind of face the same issues globally? Heidi, I've worked predominantly in Australia, but I've done a large amount of work in Canada, the UK and New Zealand. I think the issues with accounting firms doesn't change with the country. I was over in London last year and they were talking about the introduction of making tax digital. So I suppose from a digital interaction point of view with the ATO or their Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, they're probably in front of us. But when I was talking to them about advisory and what we do with advisory, the belief is that the Australian market's in front of the UK market. In what respect? We just do we just do more advisory or do we do it differently? When it comes to advisory, now I don't totally agree with that, but that's their views per se. I don't think there's much difference between the firms. Lack of capacity, lack of commitment, focusing on what's comfortable for me is inherently part of a business nature, whether it's in here or overseas. In some respects, we've got to be disturbed a little bit to get us more into the diversified income streams. Many firms have already made that step when it comes to financial planning, when it comes to lending and mortgage broking and things like so. I mean, that's not compliance. One of my great frustrations when I go into firms to try to help them out is they don't split on their profit and loss nor their job management advisory type services separate to compliance. They tend to bill them all in one. So when I'm coming in to help them and set goals, budgets, KPIs around advisory, it's very hard because the quality of the data is not there. Is that because they just use a fixed fee that includes an advice or is it because they just don't separate the invoices? Sometimes you have a fixed fee and you wrap it all up in one. That's what you're giving to the client. It doesn't mean you can't track it differently in your practice. That's just what the client sees, not what you have to manage. Secondly, a lot of firms are just billing advisory as part of compliance. They're not separating it on their P&L. Yet, when we go out to work with small business owners, it's impossible to deal with one line that says sales. We've got to dig down deeper into how they earn their income, where they earn their income. If we're going to offer holistic services around better profit improvement, better cash flow improvement, better management in their businesses, we need quality data. So for me to help a firm out, I need some quality data. And that's not always there because of sometimes with fixed fees, we just put it all in one big pot. But then a lot of firms who aren't doing fixed fees are still just billing all the auxiliary stuff as part of compliance. It makes it difficult to trace and track and set accountability. Kind of in the olden days, most accountants used to charge by hours, timesheets, etc. Then the new thought is basically just charge a fixed fee, maybe do timesheets to know where you lose money, where you make money, but just charge a fixed fee. 
that you're talking about basically would then need to be charged again separately to a fixed fee and probably be based on hours. What are your thoughts on fixed fee and charging per hour? If it suits the client, I'd do it. Per hour or the fixed fee? I've never charged a fixed fee. I've never charged advisory on hours. I charge it on value. We track hours for the purposes of billing. I've yet to speak to too many firms that actually do that. I think they track hours for the purposes of productivity, and I've got no problems with that. But at the end of the day, when it comes to billing advisory work, I'd be looking to bill it on value, not on time. There's bill per hours, bill based on value, or bill a fixed fee that is kind of standard for everybody. I think compliance like advisory. The more you do it, the better you become at it and the less time you take. We're now looking at the intervention of cloud technology and collaborative data models and a whole host of ways to get the job done quicker and more efficiently. Does that mean that we bill less? I've spoken to too many clients that are billing less each year unless they're receiving price pressure from the clients. Certainly that's not the way they want to run their business. When it comes to advisory, the more you do it, the better you'll do it, the quicker you do it, the less time you'll take. It's a very similar model. At the end of the day, when the business is selling value, it doesn't mean I've got to charge less. Heidi, one of the great things that I believe with the industry is that I speak to a lot of firms, I work with a lot of firms, and I do presentations to a lot of firms. I think in the industry we built the perfect annuity model when it comes to compliance, when it comes to tax. So we built the right systems, the right processes, the right people. We have the right people at the right level doing the right tasks at the right rate. And it works and it's perfect and it's beautiful. When it comes to advisory, we're too laissez-faire. We don't look at what we've done with compliance and try to build a similar model where we have the right people at the right level at the right rate doing the right task. And because of that, it's not scalable And because of that, too many people at a high rate are doing too much of the work. So it's not like I'm saying build something you haven't already built. It's just build something that's slightly different than what you've already built, but build it the same way. To really provide value and good advice, you really need to understand the industry that the client is in. Is it that you actually need to specialize on a certain type of Clients. So, for example, you only do medical practices. So if you work on 100 medical practices, you learn a lot that you can then share with your clients. Or is it more that every business struggles with the same thing? So you as the accountant don't need to specialize on a certain type of client to provide advice. That's a really good question, Heidi. I'd answer it two ways. I've always seen myself as a general practitioner, not a specialist. I do agree 100% that When you're doing advisory, you've got to get your head into the industry space of the client you're working with. It's very different doing an advisory engagement, for instance, with a solicitor compared to a cafe owner or a farmer compared to a golf professional or something like so. Every industry is different, every need's different, but then again, every client's different. I know quite a few firms that have created niche advisory services in particular industries because they have a larger amount of clients in those specific industries. So I'm always looking with a firm to see whether you do have a niche, but I'm not restricting the service offering to that niche. I'm looking to put it across pretty well everyone if I can, but reality, a strong percentage of my general business population. 
So the approach would be when you get one cafe as a client, try to learn everything you can about the industry they work in, the problems they face, how they run and operate. Try to get a second cafe and then you already have some knowledge that you can then give to this second client. Then try to get a third and fourth and fifth cafe and you slowly start building specialist expertise that allows you to provide much better advice and then do that with another group of clients and start trying to collect more and more doctors. When I look at an ideal client for advisory, I'm not looking at the industry. I'm looking at one, are they leaking cash flow? Um, two, I'm looking to see whether a key driver in their business has caused that problem with cash flow or, and or profitability if you don't want to go down the cash flow path. And thirdly, I'm looking for attitude. I'm looking for them to have the right attitude to work with. It's not going to be an adversarial type relationship with this. We're going to work together as a partnership, try to create success. I know firms that have specialised and created niches in things like hotel industry, plumbing industry, golf professionals and the like. And that hasn't been deliberately done. It's grown because of doing a good job for one and word of mouth breeds other opportunities. To be a good advisory generalist, you need to get your head into the space of the industry of the client you're working with. Ultimately, if you've got good clients in your firm in a variety of industries, in my opinion, they deserve high-quality advisory services too, but I would always be looking for the niche, the industry specialisation if I could. When you think of all your clients who are accounting practices, are there common threats that come through it? So if you had to think of the three most important things that most practices need to change, is it possible to generalize or is every practice so unique and different that it's difficult to generalize? Oh, yeah, I think you can generalize a little bit, but every firm is different. Every individual is different. And that's the challenge with advisory. I mean, we're not providing to them a commoditized product as we do in compliance, irrespective of their industry. You know, we've got to provide an individual product that relates to them, their industry, their needs, their wishes, etc. The key thing with practices is we have to build an annuity model of advisory. A lot of practices are doing piecemeal advisory, which is what I call doing something once and that's it. And there will be opportunities with clients where you just do piecemeal work. But the goal has to be to try to get annuity work. And the best annuity model in my mind is, is offering the client quarterly board of advice meetings where you act as the chairperson and you hold them accountable to plans, to actions and everything else. If we can build that in a firm, we can replicate that across many different clients and many different industries, just like we have with the compliance model. It's like a personal training session for the business that doesn't, ha totally. that doesn't happen every week, but every quarter where you look at KPIs, etc. And my other belief is and this comes from working with a lot of firms over a long period of time, is that often we're too focused on transactional advisory, not strategic advisory. And by that I mean we're too focused on the numbers. We're too focused on putting the numbers into attractive dashboards, putting them in front of clients and showing them numbers and trying to build knowledge that way. That is advisory, that is important, but if there's no strategic plan in place with the client, All you'll do is keep putting numbers in front of them and eventually the client will get bored with it. We have to lead strategically and then support that process with transactional advisory, not the other way around. <laughs>
So the question to the client would be, if anything was possible, where would you want the business to be in five years? Something like that. Well, there's a variety of different questions. I mean, I coach accounting firms to do a needs analysis with the clients and start with five questions only. And that's a question based on strength, weakness, risk, funding, and succession. So providing you can work out five questions, which I help firms with anyway, then I reckon you've got all the tools that you need to be able to go out there and have a cup of coffee and a chat. The discipline with that exercise is not giving advice. It's not giving it away for free. It's a fishing trip. We need to find out what issues the client has apart from their finances. We know what their finances are. We can get software. We can put it into dashboards. We can do analysis. We can put it into Excel if we wish. We can be very, very transactionally focused. But what the client needs, in my opinion, is strategic support. Where am I today? Where do I want to be in the future? How am I going to get there? And then obviously this transactional component of that is a critical aspect of getting them there. But I'm not going to lead with that. I'm going to lead with strategic. I'm going to support with transactional. And I think when we tend to go just to software and look at software as a solution, we become overly transactionally focused. How did you grow into the international international <laughs> consultant among accounting practices? Oh, dear, oh, dear. That embarrasses me. I'm not sure I'm that person, Heidi, but... My journey is probably very different than a lot of people listening. I, I left school in year 10 because I was the eldest of four people and my parents couldn't afford for me to go to years 11 and 12, matriculate and go to university. I had to go out and get a job and I got a job in commerce, to be honest. And I did my accounting qualifications through that process. And that wasn't through desire. That was just economically. It just didn't work back then. From that, I went and did further studies and I went and did some work with accounting practices in Sydney. I then opened up my own firm and I lived, eat and bred compliance, which back then, which is almost, I don't know, 25 to maybe longer, 30 years ago, that's all there was. Roughly about 20 odd years ago, I was approached to have a look at a piece of software, ironically, and the fellow who invited me to a seminar come and said, come and have a look at this bit of software, it'll change the way you do business forever. So I did go because it was convenient to go. I saw a bit of software that impressed me undeniably that day because it did turn numbers into knowledge and it turned numbers into graphical analysis and it was very pictorial. Does that software still exist? A derivative of the software still exists. That particular software was called Optimist and later it became MYOB Profit Optimizer. And I spent a lot of time training accounting firms around the world Oh, predominantly Australia, New Zealand, but also UK and Canada, on how to implement that in a firm, not how to use the software, but how to implement it, how to consult with it, how to market it, how to sell it, how to get clients engaged. And that particular bit of software took me on a journey where I started to use it with clients in my firm. And I found it much more interesting, much more fun, and much more lucrative. Yet we still did an awful lot of compliance and I guarantee you that firm's still doing an awful lot of compliance. From there, I got invited to do a couple of seminars on my journey. Those seminars led to others and others and others and led me to the UK and Canada and around Australia and everything else. Quite a few of the seminars related to that MYOB Profit Optimizer tool. But then I started to get involved in doing presentations on how to move a firm from compliance to reliance and how to profit from compliance and how to implement a, a seven-step 
system of advisory to engage clients and get it moving in your firm. So it's a funny thing, Heidi. I always look at it and think I was in the right spot at the right time in my career. And when I had an opportunity, I wasn't scared to take it on. And I gave it 100% and it grew from there. You could have asked me who's my football team that I follow. I, I asked you that. <laughs> it's the South Sydney football team, the Rabbitohs in Sydney, the greatest team in living history. And no one in any other state apart from New South Wales or Queensland will care. That doesn't stop me saying it, Heidi. You've got to be passionate. And probably one thing I could say too is that delivery of advisory services does require a bit of passion. It requires an organisation. It requires structure. It requires accountants to become storytellers, whether they like it or not. We are financial storytellers. And it requires a lot of excitement, passion, and taking clients on a journey. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I found it early in my career. Do you think personality is also a hurdle? Because I think a lot of accountants enjoy accounting and tax because there is an introvert hiding in them. They enjoy quietly <laughs> working on numbers. And, of course, going out. I've never been an introvert, I can guarantee you, at least when it comes to working with clients. Yeah, interestingly, I'm probably reasonably introverted when it comes to socially. I don't tend to get involved in conversations unless I've got something to say. But give me a microphone and a stage and it's a different story. I think deep down in these accountants, there is people that want to get out and do this stuff. But I'm also a big believer in not trying to squash a square peg in a round hole, Heidi. In a good firm, you need the people doing compliance work that are happy doing it and want to continue to do it. It's very hard to force people into something they're not comfortable with. I see. So the solution is find the social lights in your company and then channel them into advisory and don't force introverts. I wouldn't be forcing anyone that doesn't want to do advisory into advisory. We all have preferences and we all have comfort and we all do what we like to do. That's human nature. Got to be someone that wants to engage with clients and wants to get them interested and fired up and wants to do this stuff. Welcome back. I like Mark's comment regarding advisory that the more you do it, the better you do it, the quicker you do it and the less time it takes. When it comes to advisory, the more you do it, the better you'll do it, the quicker you do it, the less time you'll take. Next episode, episode 128, John Peterson of Best Practice, who you met earlier this year, will talk about your mission, vision and values. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Klaas for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.